Ahoy ahoy and welcome to What We Consume, a show about all the things we put into our minds and bodies. I'm your host, King Hagathor, and with me as always is... Hey, it's me, Kevin. I don't know if this is going to be a high-energy episode. King is really tired. He's bringing down the vibe, but I'm here. I'm going to try to keep it up, but I don't know any of this information, so... Let's just see if I can if I can roll with the punches and flip with the backflips and just you know leap with the frogs. What we consume. So Kevin, we're back with part two of the saga of the cocaine queen, Griselda Blanco. When we left off, Griselda had just ordered the hit on a rival that would be known as the Dadeland Mall Massacre. This was the inciting incident that would kick off the Miami Drug War, a.k.a. the Cocaine Cowboy War. Look how far we've come. Back then, killing two people was considered a massacre. Probably wouldn't even make the news today. No, definitely not. You have to at least kill, like, six now to be relevant. Come on, guys. If you're going to kill people, kill a lot. Don't kill anybody, you pieces of shit. (laughs) Jeez. All right. We're coming after you. The audience? The podcast that we're bringing awareness for killings. I don't know. All right. Well, it was a landmark moment in the Miami drug war, much like the St. Valentine's Day massacre had been during Prohibition. It turned basically all eyes on Miami. And while Griselda was pleased with putting her rivals in the ground, the loss of the war war wagon was frustrating. Not only was it an an expensive write-off, but it also gave cops insight into the war to come. This was no longer a couple of amateurs popping off when a deal went bad or someone got upset. These were dedicated killers tooling around with top-of-the-line automatics and a willingness to unleash hell at a moment's notice. And they didn't seem to care if anyone got in the way, whether it was cops, civilians, or even children in some cases. But Griselda learned from the experience as well. She was an innovator, after all. The war wagon was tough, and in a shootout would be very useful. But it wasn't terribly practical for your regular day-to-day murders. Yeah, you gotta, bi- like from the TV show Weeds, everybody's gotta get a Prius so you can roll up on them really quiet and they won't know. Yeah. Uh, it was big, clunky, and expensive. And she was making mad money, but you can't just shell out tens of thousands of dollars for every killing, only to abandon it because of the hectic Miami traffic. So Griselda chose to outfit her, her assassins with much cheaper, practical, and more effective execution methods. Two guys, a gun, a motorcycle. One guy would drive up, the other would hold on behind him, hop off next to their target, pop, 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 then hop back on and be out of there before anyone could blink or much less call the cops or dive for cover. That's that's base. That's what I was about to say that I bet she was going to do. Isn't that like basic Yakuza, like strategy don't they do that all the time or is that just like how the movies portray them i think that's how the movies portray them because griselda blanco is credited as essentially inventing and perfecting the technique she she, she's the inventor oh my god yeah that's insane to like well it's not insane it's just weird to like come up with a method of like killing people and it's your own yeah but i mean like also, motorcycles had been around for a very long time, so it's very surprising that, like, this is, like, where motorcycle drive-bys started. Well, it's because uh, it's it's uh, they had a lady leader, and the rest of the guys 
<clears throat> were like guy leaders and they were all macho and none of them just wanted to ride bitch so they could shoot people. So she made it more acceptable to be able to ride bitch so you can kill people. I guess. Not only did this streamline the murder process, but with the added mobility, killers could weave through traffic or cut down alleys or anything else, which greatly increased their ability to escape and therefore be able to kill again. This was far cheaper and environmentally friendly. Everybody wins. Besides the people who got shot and their friends and family who have to mourn the loss, you know. Like I said, she basically invented the motorcycle drive-by, which would go on to be used throughout not only the cocaine wars, but by pretty much every asymmetrical warfare situation. Pablo Escobar, the leader of the Medellin cartel, would end up using this method all over Colombia for the rest of his reign. This greatly increased the number of murders in Miami. Like in 1976, there was 104 murders. In 1979... The year of the Dade Lynn Massacre, there was 367. In 1980, there was 573. And in 1981, it peaked at 621 murders. So it, it basically, it almost doubled every year. Yeah, pretty close. So there were so many dead bodies that in 1981, the Dade County Medical Examiner's Office was forced to rent a refrigerated truck from Burger King to store the overflow. They would continue renting that truck month to month for the next six years. The Dade County Sheriff's? Who? Medical Examiner. Medi the coroner, oh, because basically. they had to, like, take so many people? Because they had so many bodies, they had to start storing them in a refrigerated truck. They probably would have been just easier to, like, buy their own truck at that point. Because I'm, I'm assuming the killings didn't stop for at least a couple another years. Yeah, like I said, they had to continue renting it for the next, like, five or six yeah. years. And then, in, and then in 2001, there was another drive-by shooting that happened in the Fast and the Furious to where they killed Jesse. And then they, they started a 10-movie franchise. Yep. Hey, it's in it. They did it by motorcycle. Yeah, I... Did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they killed Jesse and drove by um, uh, yeah. his house at the, drove by Vin Diesel's house. Uh, forgot what the, the right. uh, Dom's house at the end. They were on motorcycles and were shooting, and they were chasing them, and they were on motorcycles. Come on, don't uh, you know you're Fast and Furious? No, I find those movies incredibly boring. They got nine of them. They're wonderful. That's eight too many. No, 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 no. So some of them are gems. Some of them are great. In any case, Griselda was killing it both literally and figuratively. At her height, she was trafficking over three tons, or 2,721.5 kilograms of cocaine a year, which netted her $80 million a month. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's decently impressive. You know, it's, it's nothing awesome or great, you know, it's, just, it's a little impressive. Yeah. To be a killer and a drug lord. Easy, so with all easy that, stuff. So with all that money, Griselda was living it up. Her first three sons, Dixon, Uber, and Osvaldo, were all starting to like work with Griselda. Like they were teenagers, young adults, but they were uh, helping in various areas and helping to uh, move cocaine into other cities as well. Michael Corleone was doted on and slowly groomed for success, but like at this point, he would have been like two. So. 
how come how come these stories never end with like oh you know they had the kids instead they wanted to choose the right path and they became like doctors or something noble sometimes that happens i don't think um i don't think al capone's kid ever got caught up in any illegal trades yeah but did he do something noble and wonderful or but did he just like become you know your average joe which there's nothing wrong with but still God, you're i'm demanding a lot of these uh bad people okay i have high hopes so so griselda bought herself a nice large mansion as well as other properties she bought lavish gifts for herself and others like the first lady of argentina ava perone's pearls she owned a tea set that was once used by Queen Elizabeth II of England. Uh, she also had a solid metal bust of herself displayed in front of her home. I'm not sure if it was gold or brass, but uh, when other drug smugglers came to her house, they would rub it for good luck, including allegedly Pablo Escobar, who at this point wasn't as big as Griselda in terms of power. That would quickly change, but uh, but for the moment, she was on top. Where did they rub on this bust? Uh, I believe it was just a face, just a face. Or, or, or like just a head. So um, I, I would assume either like the top of the head or like a cheek. That's like, that's like, you know, where you have one of those like huge paintings of yourself, like a power painting in like your dining room. Yeah, like or... Tony Montana has. Yeah, that's, a, that's like another level of it. Oh, I got a big ass head bust in my front yard. It'd be, it's very narcissistic. Yeah. It'd be really easy to find where she lived too. Like, okay. The police also claimed that she would sometimes force people to have sex at gunpoint or would hold elaborate orgies in her mansion, which might be true, but it also kind of seems like it's just the cops trying to smear, because, like, yeah, she murdered people, but have you heard about the orgies? The cops are still furious about her. <laughs> like, yeah, they're, 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 but, it's the 80s and they're getting beat by a woman. Yeah, I, I think I think that does play a part in it. I mean, like, she also is, you know, a murderer and a drug dealer. So, like, legitimate grievances. But then on top of it, like, I think because she's a woman, it's a little bit extra for them. Yeah. She's a woman. She's a murderer. She's an immigrant. Like, I mean, it's everything that, like, cops in the 80s hated. Yeah. So she she wasn't just generous to herself either. For holidays and birthdays, she would buy ludicrously expensive gifts for those that were loyal to her, like an $80,000 car for her favorite hitman, Rolexes, boats, houses. She didn't she didn't spend more than she made, but she certainly spent a lot. Uh, I mean, if you're making that much every month, you might as well spend it. You got no you got nothing else to do with it. Yeah. And and like I said, some some of these like, some of her rival drug dealers were just, like, burying, like, millions of dollars in cash in their backyard and shit. Because they just, like, were making so much they couldn't spend it or move it or launder it fast enough. And she was just passing it out. She was just like, hey, you want a car? You want a car? She was the Oprah of drug lords. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these expensive these expensive gifts came with a string attached. Though her orders were to be followed, and loyalty had to be absolute. That's and the same her... thing with Oprah. <laughs> yeah, and her generosity did not extend everywhere. If you were in her good graces, you might expect one of these incre incredible presents. But if you wronged her, slighted her, or even just annoyed her, 
there's a pretty good chance the only present you would get was a couple of bullets and a trip to the morgue. And Griselda was not the only game in town. There was numerous other outfits of Americans, Colombians, and Cubans all wanting, all wanting in on this new cocaine craze. Like I mentioned last time, the city of Miami was constantly seeing growth. It was called the Magic City for its sustained yearly growth, and all this cocaine money floating around had to go somewhere. So these various drug lords would buy property and build businesses like nightclubs, restaurants, and apartment complexes to launder their money. And, you know, so that they had something to do. You know, they should have just built an Amazon warehouse back then. I know it wasn't around, but if you build an Amazon warehouse, who's going to take down an Amazon warehouse? Because getting your packages is too important. So even if she was that drug lord, they're like, look, we can't take, we can't harm this warehouse. We got to get our packages in two days. I don't care if you have to piss in bottles. You get that work done. I I hear very mixed things about Amazon, like warehouse workers. Some love it, and some are like, well, we only get three 15-minute uh, breaks, and we have to be standing the whole time. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like pretty shitty conditions. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a, it's working in a warehouse, right? That sucks. Yeah, some warehouses are better than others. Sal Magluta and uh, Willie Falcon, uh, Falcone became high-speed boat racers. A lot of them became car collectors, Bentleys, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, etc. Cocaine essentially influenced the creation of modern-day Miami, from a fairly quiet resort town vacation spot into a popular, bustling city of today. Obviously, there's more factors at play, but cocaine had a massive impact. So cocaine grew Miami. It yeah, it was certainly part of it. You guys are you guys are welcome. I don't know what I'm what I'm saying. You guys are welcome for, but did the, you're welcome for the cocaine to help you guys build and thrive. But I didn't Hustling supply any of it. I don't, <laughs> bro. If I was if I was filthy rich cocaine uh, millionaire, you would know. <laughs> I can tell you I, this now. You would it would be obvious. It'd be like, oh, I, I believe that. Kevin bought a, a whole street and it's got a bunch of mansions and he's moving all of his friends into it. Where did he get this money? Get... He's trying to he's trying to live his dream. He he requires them to play video games with him every night at seven o'clock PM, otherwise he kicks them out. And that that's what would be happening. Yeah, hey man, like I, I I got a funeral I gotta go to. It's like, all right, here's your vacation notice. <laughs> like, if you can't make the video game uh, session, you're out. That'd be fun though. We would have barbecues, pool parties. You know how cool it would be if we all lived on the same road. It would be fun unless like we started having like neighborly disputes because. <laughs> like those would probably get pretty ugly. How? But I, I don't. I, the thing is, how would we have neighborly disputes? I just don't see it. You're parking in front of my house. But I don't think it, we would all be friends. I don't think any of us would care. Nah. Uh, I mean, like we would probably get along, but you know, homeowning can lead to weird situations. We would like have your, our own homeowner HOA, like our whole oh, own disgusting. street. I, I no longer want to be a part of it. Well, the, the only reason I would have it is because of uh, Mike, because I don't know if he would cut his grass. Nope. HOAs are <laughs> disgusting. All right, so Griselda was able to form an alliance with some of the other head honchos, and they carved up Miami into their various territories, where they mostly stayed out of each other's way. But there were others that either couldn't or wouldn't get along with Griselda, and she had people to take care of that. Uh, one of these guys was a man named Jorge Rivi Ayale. Uh, 
Ayella. Rivi had started as a car thief in Chicago before he met Griselda, and his first meeting with her was tense. He was at a nightclub one night, and one of his Colombian friends told them they needed to go because there was a table that was going to get shot up. He alerted his friends, and they got out of there, but one of his friends had accidentally alerted the table, who were able to flee before the hitmen showed up. Rivi was taken to Griselda, who was not happy. She told him that fuck-up would be costly, she'd been hunting these guys for months, and that was the first time they'd caught sight of him. Uh, they only wanted two brothers. The other four people at the table would have just been a casualty. Like, they were also Colombian drug dealers, but, like, they weren't her target, so... Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Rivi was like, alright, look, give me a week and I'll find him. And she was like, if you do, and you bring him to us, I'll give you 50000 apiece for him. So, he was able to track down one of them, which led to grabbing the other, and he handed him over to Griselda's men, who killed them, chopped them up into a small box, and dumped them on the turnpike. Griselda was pleased with his success and invited him to become one of her triggermen. Eventually, he would be considered her favorite for years to come. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't look like a murderer. He looks like a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Very racist, though. Is he white? No, he's uh, he's Colombian. Colombian. I mean, he he's he's fairly light skinned. Did not like black people. Oh, I mean, he he or, he, fit, or, he fit in in America in the eighties then. <laughs> yeah, and like not not just like African Americans, but like even darker skinned Colombians or Cubans as well. Like, oh, so he I, he he lived on like a caste system. If you if you're too dark, I don't like you. I'm better. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people did, especially at the time. So in 1980, an event happened that would kick off, that would kick the cocaine cowboy wars into an even higher gear. Do you remember what that event was? 1980? That's the thing where Tony Montana came over on the boat? Right. The uh, Mariel Boatlift. That thing. Uh, Miami was already grown at an, at an incredible rate, but when Castro opened the Mariel Harbor, allowing all the Cubans who wanted to leave to catch a boat to other nations, mainly those Cubans traveled to Florida. 125,000 Cubans left Cuba in 1980. There's a lot of claims that Castro was simply expelling all the criminal elements and undesirables, which is a bit overblown, but there were certainly some bad guys that came through, as is always the case when there's that large of a group. Did he never explain, like, why he truly did it? Well, there there was a lot going on. Uh, some people uh, stormed the Peruvian embassy in Cuba, uh, like, begging for asylum. And so, like, I, I only read some of it, but Castro was basically like, all right, yeah, if you want to go, like, Mariel's open. As long as uh, some boat will come pick you up, you guys can leave. Like, whatever. So, but why was he nice at that point? Wasn't he supposed to be, like, a mean dictator? That's what a lot of American propaganda tells you. So was he not actually mean? I mean, like, he he certainly upset quite a few people. But, you know, whenever it comes to, like, any kind of socialist or communist revolution, like, America and the powers that be, like, tend to, like, ham up what's going on like that havana syndrome thing that happened a couple years ago i don't know what that is basically a bunch of like state department workers were like oh they're using some sort of sonar gun to like make us make our tummies hurt or whatever what and that's not a thing 
<laughs> yeah, right? That's 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 asinine. That's dumb. People are stupid. Yeah. But, you know, like, there's a lot of half-truths and whole lies. For the most part, the people in Cuba tend to be pretty favorable about the Castros. Okay. Uh, the, the Cubans that live in Miami tend to hate him for, like, both of them feel the ways they feel for kind of the same reasons. People know how I feel about socialist and communism things. I don't think they do. Yeah, we'll get into it as the years go on. In any case, um, so there's, you know, 125,000 people suddenly, like, coming to Miami. And most of them are poor, desperate people who essentially only have what they could carry. And the fastest, easiest way to make money is cocaine. Naturally, that's going to lead to more criminal activity. And when you start making move on Griselda's turf, it's going to lead to violence. Isn't like one hundred twenty-five thousand like more than when like she first moved down there in Miami? No, no, that number I gave you, uh, one hundred seventy-two thousand one hundred seventy-two people, was uh, from nineteen forty. Forty, okay, okay. So I I don't know what the population was in like nineteen seventy-eight or seventy-nine, but it was definitely larger than that. Still, this is like essentially like doubling the city size like maybe a little bit less than that but like it's a massive influx of people and there's going to be growing pains well they definitely didn't have enough housing i wonder what they did with all the people uh they put them in detention centers for a while but that was only like a couple months right then they got out uh was it years I i don't know how long it lasted but it would have been a while and in those kind of conditions that would be tough yeah griselda was basically always at war with someone uh she like she could be set off very easily if they owed her money and weren't paying she'd kill him if she owed them money and she didn't feel like paying she'd kill him killing was just griselda's way of solving problems like one night griselda's son osvaldo was partying at a club he overindulged and went looking for a place to stay one of griselda's best enforcers jesus uh chucho castro lived nearby, so Osvaldo drove over to his house, parked on his lawn, and demanded he let him stay the night. This led to an argument where Castro told Osvaldo to fuck himself, his mom can fuck herself, and he gave Osvaldo a kick in the ass and sent him on his way. The next day, Griselda wanted Castro dead. So Ribby and two other guys got in a van and waited for him. They pulled up alongside Chucho's car. Ribby started shooting through the closed van door with an M16. Like, he just waited until they were right next to each other and knew that if he opened the door, like, Castro would take off. So he just starts firing through the closed door. Like, he can't see, so he's just, like, getting details from the guys up front and just pap, 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 pap. Chucho was able to evade them and escape, but his two-year-old son Johnny had been sleeping in the back seat, and one of the stray rounds had hit him in the head, killing him instantly. Uh, Rivy was pretty distraught that he had killed a child, but Griselda was fine with it. To her, it was close enough. Like, she got the message of revenge across. Yeah, but now you got somebody that would probably gonna come after you again. Yeah. Uh, and cl- I've never understood how people can just, like, kill kids and be okay with it. Well, I mean, like, this one's still definitely Rivy's fault, but, like, it is just kind of unfortunate. Like, he didn't know the kid was there, and he's firing basically blind, which 
obviously is not good, but like it is just like a tragic coincidence that Johnny happened to be in the car. So are you saying like innocent killings of war are okay in your mind? No, I'm just saying like he didn't set out to kill him. No, I get it. But but Griselda was fine with it. Columbia was not pleased with it, though. A dead child brings a lot more heat than a dead enforcer or a drug dealer. Another time, Rivi and two others were tasked with uh, killing Alfredo and Griselda uh, Lorenzo, who owed Blanco $250,000. Alfredo said that he could get the money in a week. Griselda gave him two weeks, and when two weeks came up, he didn't have the money. He tried to, like, you know, convince them to give him another chance or whatever, but to Griselda, uh-uh. She just, I mean, at that point, she just wants to kill them. She doesn't need the money. Yeah, it's more about sending the message. Yeah, power. Rivi claimed he only planned on killing Alfredo, but his partners uh, killed Griselda, uh, Lorenzo as well. And Rivi also claimed that Blanca wanted them to kill the kids, uh, which led to an argument with Miguel Perez, one of the other hitmen. But luckily, cooler heads prevailed, and the kids were left alive, which made Griselda pissed, but she let it go. At least in jailhouse interviews, Rivi claims he never like tried to kill any kids. He didn't want to have anything to do with that. I mean, some hitmen do have like a what's it called? Like a code, yeah. So. Yeah, so maybe. Uh, whereas Miguel Perez, if the money was right, he claimed he would walk up to the White House and shoot the president. <laughs> like Griselda had another hit trying to get a guy named Papo uh, Mejia. Rivi had tried to kill him twice before with a drive-by and then a house bomb, but uh, Mejia had always ended up getting away. So on their third attempt, Griselda wanted Rivi to stab him with a bayonet in the Miami International Airport. With a and she bayonet? Offered him, yeah. And she offered uh, Rivi half a million dollars to do the deed, but Rivi refused, saying it was a suicide mission. He's like, this is weird, and I'm not going inside the airport. Like, there's no way I'm getting out of there. Yeah. A free man. A lot of people close to Griselda tried to advise her against it because it was very public, absurd, and dangerous. Like, she wanted him stabbed with a bayonet because, like, he had the nickname of, like, the pig. And she wanted him stabbed like, like skewered, a pig. yeah. Yeah. With that, that's, but still, like... You're drawing so much attention, but I guess at this point she thinks she's so powerful that like a lot of this stuff is starting not to matter to her in her mind. Yeah, pretty much. When Rivi refused, Griselda persisted and got Miguel Perez to agree to do it for $250,000 in a house. Because as Rivi puts, puts it, Miguel would do anything if the price was right. So when the plane landed and Papa was walking through the airport, Miguel came up behind him and Miguel was a big dude. Uh, he picked him up and stabbed him seven times with the seven plus times with the bayonet. He then tried to flee and was quickly tackled by airport security while Rivi watched from a distance. Despite the violent attack, Papo survived. Rivi was like, this, uh, "I knew this was going to happen. I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't choose to do this." Yeah, he he said he was standing there and uh, Miguel got tackled like three feet from him and like was looking up at him with like you know, a help me expression on his face. And Rivi was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I would have been like, uh, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Also, why do you have to stab him seven times? Like you could get him, you could have got him like once real good and then like tried to get out of there. Maybe you would have got him out. It, it might've been that uh, Miguel just like 
you know, wanted to stab him a lot. It could be that Griselda was like, make sure he dies, like, make sure, like, he's bleeding like a stuck pig. I don't know, but, uh, but in the end, Papo survived, Miguel got arrested, and this whole situation was so big and scary that the government started forming special task force to hunt down drug dealers, largely because of Griselda's over-the-top violence. Like, like, in an airport is so over-the-top that, like, there's no way this wasn't going to blow back on him. It yeah. was a terrible idea. There's always been, like, good amount of security in airports. I mean, it got way larger after 2001. So, like, now it's like, if you were even thinking about doing something in an airport, you're just an idiot. But, like, even back then, it was still, they had a good amount of security. Like, that you had to yeah. do things. Yeah, and, I like, you, you could... You could kind of go anywhere in an airport, like, at the time, but, like, there's still a bunch of cops, like, milling about or, like, driving by or whatever. Like, it's, there's just far too much security for it to be, like, successful unless you, like, use that umbrella gun thing or, like, some other, like, very secretive way of killing them. I like Like that, like, like, all the movies back then showed that you could, like, walk them to, like, the actual plane and now like dude you're not getting past security nobody else past this point yeah uh, i would have liked to seen no i actually don't think i would have actually liked to seen an airplane back then because they could smoke on them and stuff i probably would have like had an asthma attack and died it probably wouldn't have been pleasant uh i had to fly a couple times when i back in the 90s and yeah it was a very different experience so every one of these incidents was losing griselda supporters but she believed herself to be so untouchable that she could do anything. She was just like, who cares if they're mad? Like, they can stay mad. I'm still on top. Yeah, it's like, I got a, I got like $10 billion. Let's buy Twitter. Yeah. Uh, $44 billion. Um, I mean, it's but, the same thing, right? Like, you, when, <laughs> Once you get so much money, like, like that's got to warp your mind to be like, I can do anything that I want. Nobody stop. I have more money than the country that I live in. Like, yeah. Yeah, that kind of mentality seems to pop up quite a bit. Uh, But in 1984, government agents were able to start really taking down some of the biggest drug dealers besides Griselda. So she took off and moved operations to California. Like, they they caught quite a few of, like, the top dogs at this point. So she just keeps moving. She moved from New York. She moved to Miami, and now she's in California. At least she's smart enough to know when to, like, get out instead of to be, like, hunker down and think, hey... Uh, I'm going to ride this out. I'm too powerful. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not really the case. Uh, this is when she really fucked up. Ah. So the Medellin cartel was getting pretty fed up with Griselda, and when she moved to California, they stopped shipping her cocaine because they didn't really have the infrastructure to change operations like that. Like, that's a completely different, like, smuggling operation or, like, transporting it. Different roads, different oceans, different climate, different everything. And Griselda tried to get close to uh, Marta Ochoa, the niece of Fabio Ochoa, the father of two of the top members of the Medellin cartel. Griselda didn't want to pay for 1,500 kilos of cocaine, so the Medellin cartel halted almost all shipments to the United States for a time until they could, you know, get this situation sorted out. Griselda decided that if she killed Marta, she could then lie about paying it and claim that Marta had it when she died. Like, 
I gave it to Marta. Marta died. I don't know what to tell you. Well, uh, but wouldn't that be so easy to find out that she killed them for that? Like, who who else would have had the... Like, she didn't want to pay. She told them that she didn't want to pay. Then she this woman ends up dead, and now there's no money. It's like, uh, it's kind of obvious that you killed her. Yeah, it might not hold up in court, but, like, the Medellin cartel doesn't exactly, like, go through the legal system if they if yeah. they want, quote-unquote, justice. Like, I, I don't see how this could possibly have gone well. But remember, Griselda had been raw-dogging cocaine, like, uh, fucking bazooka or whatever uh, for years at this point. Probably at least a decade at this point. Probably, like, kind of uh, skewed her you know, rational thinking sense. Yeah, it's not like making lingerie and putting the cocaine in it so they don't find it and, you know, keeping curvy women more curvy. Yeah, so this was a fuck-up. So they killed Marta, they wrapped her up in plastic and dumped her body. Immediately, everyone everyone turned on Griselda because it was pretty clear what happened. Yeah, I mean, any like a toddler could see what happened. Like, yeah, you can put those together. It's like a, it's it's literally like a little kid having like the the shapes, and you have to put like the the uh, triangle shape or whatever into the triangle. Like that's how easy putting this puzzle is together. Yeah, but like all of her close friends were like, "We're not we're not dealing with you anymore." Like Rivy uh, went back to Chicago. Um, the ones, the friends of hers that weren't arrested, like, were like, we need to kill her now. And uh, various forces came together to put a, a multi-million dollar bounty on her head. So now, enemies both in the U.S. and Colombia, Griselda was at the end of her rope, but while she was worried about the cartel, the task force was closing in on her. On February 17th, Griselda Blanco was arrested in her home by the DEA, and charged with conspiring to manufacture, import, and distribute cocaine. She was found guilty and served uh, and sentenced to 15 years. The police believe she was responsible for somewhere between 40 and 200 murders during her time on top, but they couldn't pin a single one on her at, at this point. Her three older sons, uh, Dixon, Uber, and Osvaldo, were all arrested. Rivy was eventually arrested. They all went to prison. When Griselda was in prison, she was sent a letter by a guy from Oakland named Charles Cosby, who was a crack dealer, uh, claiming he fell in love with her. What what a letter to get. Yeah, it was uh, real sappy. And um, I don't know how much of his feelings were, like, legitimate. They, they did spend a lot of time talking to each other and everything. But, like, it's also pretty clear that he was also using her to gain success for himself. Yeah. So they started a friendship, which then evolved into a relationship. Uh, whether or not he was sincere in his feelings, he certainly... He was certainly also trying to expand his own operation. Because, like, he's living in Oakland, he's a crack dealer, but, like, he's only able to get, like, a brick here, a brick there... That he then turns from cocaine into crack and then sells. And, like, he was still making, like, thousands a, a day or week or whatever. But he certainly wasn't making millions. 
Man, Meanwhile, you just want too much. If you're a drug dealer, stop wanting too much. Just like, you know, if you're making well above the means of everybody else, you've made it. Just keep it there, and you probably will never get caught. Just, just, yeah. just cool it, dude. But eventually, uh, Cosby went to visit her in prison. She had been able to grease some palms, so when he arrived, she was wearing, like, a silk uh, outfit. She had perfume. She had makeup. She had nice shoes. And they immediately start making out in the visitor center. They decide to take it a bit further, and after bribing the guards $1,500 to look the other way, they also have sex. Griselda would eventually hook him up with a much larger, better supply of cocaine, which he was then able to cook down into crack and sell, which made him a shit ton of money. Like, comparative to before, it was night and day. Like, he wasn't making the, like, $80 million a month that Griselda had been, but, like, he was making millions. In response, they kept hooking up in jail once a week, and Cosby started becoming a friend slash guardian to Michael Corleone. He would go pick him up, and like they'd go, you know, watch a movie or go to a ball game. Like they they would just hang out. He was, I'm not gonna go as far as to say a surrogate father, but like he was, like, kind of a supporting figure to he was like the big, Michael in the Big Brother program, basically. <laughs> yeah. So when uh, Griselda's children were released from prison, because they didn't get as uh, long of a sentence as she did, uh, they were deported back to Colombia. Not long after that, Osvaldo was killed. Griselda was unable to attend the funeral, being in prison, uh, so Griselda sent a note to be read by the priest that presided over Osvaldo's funeral. Quote, To the cowards who ever killed my son, the ground will shake beneath your feet. This deed will not go unpunished. So, uh, one killer, fearing the wrath of the godmother, took his own life. The other was tracked down, tortured for up to a week, and finally killed and displayed like a medieval heretic or some shit. So she's still, even in prison, she's still a bad lady. Yeah, uh, and she's still very powerful. Like, uh, prison is not limiting her reach very much. So she's still making money, she's still ordering hits, she's still commanding her empire. Uh, Uber and I think Dixon would also eventually be murdered, but I couldn't really find much information on what happened to them. I, I know Uber was murdered, uh, and I believe Dixon died. I think he was also murdered, but finding out for sure was tough. So Cosby was the one who had to break the news to Osvaldo, uh, or about Osvaldo to Griselda, which devastated her. She wailed for minutes on end because... As much of an unsympathetic monster as she was to others with children or to children themselves, she did love her own kids. So, like, Charles and Griselda are very close at this point. But Charles had another problem. He got horny. More than the once a week uh, he and Griselda were able to arrange. So Cosby started having an affair with another woman on the side. And it didn't take long for Griselda to find out. And you know how Griselda feels about... <laughs> Yeah. You know, betrayal. Yeah. She, it's not good. Like, yeah. Like, how, I don't know. That dude must like, have been stupid. He was probably, like, using his own supply, too. He, yeah, and he was also just, like, too overconfident at this point. Because, I mean, like, she's in jail. What's she going to do? Well, she, she, she knows how to kill people. That's what she knows yeah. how to do. Yeah, so uh, one day Cosby was driving his car. A black Mustang pulled up next to him and opened fire. The car was hit 12 times and Cosby caught a bullet in the arm, but survived. This was her way of giving him a warning shot. 
If it kills you, it kills you. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. If it doesn't, you better get the idea. Yeah. Uh, so as soon as he gets home from the hospital, he gets a call from Griselda that's saying, come down to the prison the next day. Not having a lot of options, he complies, and he goes to see her. As soon as they're in the visitor center together, Griselda just starts choking the shit out of him. And, like, all the guards are just like, I don't, I don't see that. They were all paid off, thousands of dollars. Yeah. Uh, He claims it lasted minutes, or at least felt like it did. Uh, Eventually, she calms down and they talk. Uh, They make some kind of arrangement and settle thing, and things settle down for a bit. Like, I, I, I would assume, like, he was just like, look, like... I love you, and, like, I like having sex with you, but, like, I need it more than once a week. And she was like, mm, all right. But I don't I don't know the exact details, and, like, I don't really like taking Cosby's word for it. Uh, but but they, they, they get things sorted out somehow. As Griselda was nearing the end of her prison sentence, she got more bad news. Rivy was working on a plea deal with the government to testify against her. This legitimately scared Griselda because uh, the cases for three first-degree murder charges in Florida for the murder of the two-year-old Johnny Castro and Alfredo and Griselda Lorenzo, the two dealers who had stiffed her the twenty-five, yeah, or sorry, two hundred fifty thousand, and Florida had the death penalty, and if she was convicted, that's game over. And she knew Rivy had enough on her to make her ha- make it happen too, like Rivy knew a lot about what she did. And he did a lot for her, so... Right. When you're the right-hand man, it's it's easier to take out the man, you know? Yeah, you gotta, you gotta keep him happy and out of prison. So nat- naturally, she could just... Like, she's a billionaire at this point. Naturally, she, could, she can just use a portion of her massive fortune to fight the case with the best lawyers and win, right? Like, she could get... You know, Johnny Cochran or whatever. Or she can use her massive amount of money to kill him. Or she plans the best way to save herself is to kidnap John F. Kennedy Jr. and hold him hostage to negotiate her release. What? How is that even a thought process? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> what? What? That that is such an escalation that it and it makes no sense. Yeah. So this this scares the shit out of Cosby. Selling crack is one thing, but kidnapping a former president's kid is very much different. That makes uh, no sense. But he's he's kind of trapped in it, and uh, he flies to New York with a four person team of Colum- Colombian kidnappers. Uh, they stake out uh, JFK. They plan to catch him. Right as they're planning on carrying it out, a cop car drives past and they're forced to bail on the plan. This spooks them. They end up, like, missing out on the opportunity. And so they end up going home. Dude, you should have thought that that was a bad idea in general because you're flying to New York to kidnap them. You're literally flying to an airport that's it's JFK. They literally did drive or fly to JFK airport. You're about to try to kidnap JFK Jr. Like you should have been like, "Ah." I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go at least fly into like LaGuardia or something at that point. (laughs) Something. Uh, So uh, when Cosby gets back to town, he finds out he's being subpoenaed for the trial as well. 
he didn't really have any options. They had him on tape, like talking about the JFK thing. Um, like he had, he had tried to been subtle about it, but like, you know, if you mention like, is the JFK thing going well? Like people are going to like get some idea. Yeah. That's just not like a common phrase, like in anything. Doesn't really have a lot of other meanings. It's like, huh, what could JFK Jr. stand for? <laughs> so uh, he didn't really have any options besides cooperating or fleeing, so he starts to cooperate. So Griselda's now in a really bad spot, because now she's got two witnesses that could definitely put her away. Why don't any but of very... them just go to Canada? Like, I would have just like taken a car ride to Canada and I wouldn't have come back. They're not going to search yeah. for me in the Canadian tundra. Or, like, Europe or Asia, like, there's... Just leave. You got money. Yeah. Then a very strange thing happens. While Cosby is in the courthouse cooperating, he leaves to use the restroom. On his way back, he's handed a note by a legal secretary that says he's cute and they should meet. He agrees, they meet at his hotel room, and according to Cosby, they have sex. When it's found out that Cosby and the secretary are engaged in an unprofessional relationship, the secretary is suspended and Cosby is sent away as his testimony is no longer usable, like he's compromised. Then it gets worse. Uh, it's then discovered that Rivy, their star witness, has also been engaging in unprofessional relationships with not one, but two legal secretaries. While he was in prison, he'd been sending them pictures of Garfield and flowers that he had drawn. He had also been sending them money and they had been engaging in phone sex with him multiple times. Why? Well, uh, the two secretaries were in suspended and an investigation was held. Uh, one of them claims they were acting on orders of the state's attorney, which the state's attorney office denied. But the damage was done. Uh, the case the state had built was completely destroyed. Like, they were, they pretty much put all their eggs in the witness basket, and the witnesses... Kept fucking. <laughs> like, Gr- I wonder if Griselda, like, got in touch with him and paid them off to do that. Yeah, I, like, it feels like it's too coincidental for this to all just be, like... For two people, yeah, yeah. Like, maybe yeah. her lawyers are like, hey, if you have enough money, we could try to get this. Like, if you give them both, like, a million dollars, I bet we could, like, get this thrown out. Yeah, uh, the cops in the interview are are still furious about this. Like, they wanted her to fry so bad, and, like, to have it all fucked up by such a, like, relatively stupid thing, like, they're still furious. And I'm not sure if the Florida legal secretaries are just terminally horny, or if Griselda was somehow able to orchestrate this. Yeah, because... But it's very bizarre either way. Yeah, it's weird. Wouldn't it... There would have been an investigation into them if they would have gotten like paid off, wouldn't there? I guess, or would they have just left it alone? Well, they uh, they would have investigated it, but like if someone just hands you a certain amount in cash and you don't just like go out and start like splurge spending, like yeah, I guess if it's, it's kind of hard an, to if it's not in an account, it's buried in the backyard. Like you're not like they can't find it as long as you keep your mouth closed. Yeah, or, like, it could have been, you know, intimidation or, like, coercion. Like, it might not have been straight bribery, but, like, it does feel like something happened here that, like, was... Someone was pulling the strings behind the scene. But I don't know. And we'll probably never know, because that's the whole point. You you get paid off, you don't talk. Otherwise, you die. Yeah. 
So the prosecutors ended up signing a deal with Griselda that, that if she pled guilty to second-degree murder on all three accounts, she'd get 20 years to be served consecutively with her previous drug charges. So, essentially, uh, she was supposed to get out in, I think, 99. This would now make it 2004. Okay. So, essentially five extra years... And she'd be free again. They were just trying to, like, at this point, just trying to, like, say that the case was a win. Like, get something out of it. Probably. Um, And, like, it did keep her locked up for five more years, which is five more years of her, like, not having free reign to do whatever. But, I mean, Uh, it seems like she has free reign anyway. It does kind of seem that way. So, (laughs) you know. Uh, Charles Cosby took the chance to flee from her influence, and he essentially retired a free and very rich man i couldn't find any like as far as i know at least at the time of uh cocaine cowboys 2 the documentary from 2008 he was still free and you know didn't seem to have any repercussions so i guess like he just kind of got away with it griselda is released from prison june 6 2004 and deported back to Colombia the next day Griselda still had a lot of enemies, both in the U.S. and in Colombia, so neither spot was particularly good for her, but, like, being deported, the U.S. was no longer an option. So she stays in Colombia and lives a fairly quiet life for the next eight years. Michael Corleone, her only surviving son, fucks up a few times, like trying to buy a couple of bricks of cocaine from an undercover agent and whatnot, but he tries to live his life having lost his father and all of his brothers to drug violence, and his mom being in prison from the time he's, like, 7 to 26. He also can't really risk going to Colombia to visit her because his mother's enemies are trying to bat a thousand on eliminating Blanco children. So, I don't think he ever gets to see her again once she's released from prison. It's probably good, to be honest. Pro- yeah, probably. Just kind of bad influence, just a little bit. <laughs> Some. So then, Cocaine Cowboys comes out in 2006. Cocaine Cowboys 2 comes out in 2008. So, like, suddenly people are starting to know who Griselda is. Like, they might have heard the name before, but... Was she like, was still alive in both the documentaries? Yeah. Uh, she, like, she wasn't in either of the documentaries, but she was talked about him. The, uh, but, like, she gets released in 2004 and deported. Last time anyone sees her is in 2007 in, uh, at the Bogota airport. But she's just an old woman living in Medellin. And then on September 3rd, 2012, Blanco, now 69 years old, was planning a feast for herself and some close associates. She went to a local butcher shop and ordered $150 worth of meat. And when she left the shop with her daughter-in-law, a motorcycle stopped in front of her. The passenger got off the bike, pulled out a pistol, shot Griselda twice in the head before climbing up back on the bike and tearing off down the streets of Medellin. Gunned down by her own method of mayhem is kind of poetic. Yeah, I I just wonder like what was the point at that point of them killing her at that like at that time like I don't do you like this does she even have an empire to like kill like like to send a message like she no, hasn't been doing uh, anything for years. No, but like she made a lot of enemies. Yeah. So like I don't I don't think the bounty was still available for her, uh, but there was still like a lot of people who had been hurt by her uh, like the Ochoas might have uh, well F- Fabio Ochoa was dead at this point but his son was still alive at least one of them was I think but like 
you know, it could be them, could be yeah, pretty much anyone, in, like, either in the U.S. or Medellin. Like, a lot of people wanted her dead. Somebody made it happen. So Michael's still alive, mostly making money living off his mother's legacy, like appearing on an episode of Deadliest Warriors, uh, the Medellin Cartel versus Somali Pirates episode, and also selling pure Blanco vape products. Oh, he, he became a, a vape guy? Jeez, yeah. How far um, the empire has fallen. And, and, like, he uses that in his slogans. He's like, uh... Our stuff is 100% pure, just like Griselda would have wanted. Like, that kind of shit. Well, he's definitely uh, not an innovator like his mother. Yeah, um, you know, uh, Nepo babies tend to not succeed the way their parents did. It's just how they're raised. You gotta If you raise them right, they'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like, Griselda was an awful monster destroying anything that got in her way of pursuing more money and power, but she's not an entirely unsympathetic character. She had a horrible upbringing and pretty much never had a chance to live a pleasant life, but she found a way to get ahead and had the ambition and resolve to make it happen. If she had found a way to more positively impact the world, she could have been a very inspiring figure. Unfortunately, she chose the cocaine path. One filled with blood and broken families. But still, I think she's worth talking about. Like, we hear about people like Pablo Escobar, El Chapo, and Manuel Noriega, but Griselda is just as important as they are, yet most people only know of her from Cocaine Cowboys, and there's been a couple of recent movies about her with, like, Jennifer Lopez has portrayed her, um, Sofia Vergara's portrayed her, and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones has portrayed her. But all those movies... Uh, didn't really get a lot of attention like if people know her at all it's from either the documentaries or the movies for the most part but like she should be like a pretty well-known name just because like she changed miami she changed cocaine in america i've never heard of her i didn't even hear of any of these uh movies either yeah uh they're they're all pretty recent but like the Catherine zeta jones one was a lifetime movie so like Hey, you know. don't beat Lifetime movies. Some great Christmas movies they bring out, okay? Yeah, whatever. Uh, so, any final thoughts? I just can't believe she wanted to kidnap JFK Jr. I mean, bro, that That part's so fucking bizarre. JFK was assassinated. You don't think that their family is going to forever be highly protected? No, like, this is like an almost impossible kidnap. Well, like, say say it goes entirely well. Like, they kidnap JFK Jr., they negotiate her release, she is released and, like, taken on a plane to, like, wherever she wants to go, and, like, is out of the country and safe, and they, like, release JFK Jr., he's back unharmed. You don't think, like, they're gonna hunt her down, like... Anywhere on the fucking planet, you got you got the uh, the Navy SEALs right behind you. The like nobody knows their name. They're about to kill you. Like, yeah, the, like like the entire government would have come together. But also, like he's a Kennedy. Like, yeah, they got half so his family's fucking senators and like rich people and shit. Like they, like if something had happened. Like, they would have taken care of it. Or just, the government would have taken care of it. Or a combination of the two. Like, there's no fucking way you're getting away with that. That, that just thought process was like, 
That's just such an escalate. Like it seems like a very cocaine inspired idea. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think that was like the wildest part. Like all the killings and stuff, pretty crazy. But like, like they actually almost went through with it too. They flew there and were like, let's let's try. It. Let's see what's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, like that's at least according to Cosby. Other like the the government's like. Yeah, he was never in any danger, but I don't know if that's just them covering their own ass or what. Like, he is on the recording with Griselda talking about it, so, like, they at least, like, this this was at least an idea. Maybe Cosby was lying about going to New York and, like, getting that close. Like, they, he might have just, like, fluffed it up for the uh, interview, but, like, at the very least, like, they considered it and, like, were planning it, so... I don't know, man. That shit's fucking wild. Griselda's wild. The whole story, like, is wild of her brutal killings and controlling. Yeah, I think this is the last known picture of her. Okay. Yeah, so. (sighs) Good grief. Any final thoughts? No, that's all. I enjoyed the episode. It was fun. Uh, but thanks for listening, guys. If you want to catch us for more, catch us on Twitter at what underscore we underscore consume and on Instagram at what we consume podcast. Yeah, please uh, rate us uh, five stars on iTunes or uh, any other reviews you can. I'm at King Hagathor on Twitter. Other than that, bye bye. <laughs>